Xbox On. Welcome to Xbox On, a podcast with one host about one console, Xbox. I'm said host, Jesse DeRosa, and on today's episode, we'll be talking about the latest Xbox news for the week of January 19th, 2022, including Microsoft fucking bought Activision Blizzard, and more. What have I been saying for the past two years? I'd say, I could say every time we talk about Black Ops Cold War and you guys say, oh, fuck Black Ops Cold War, fuck Call of Duty, this game's shit. And I say every time, I'm a Black Ops man. Listen, I don't, I'm not necessarily proud of it all the time. Not every Black Ops game is great. You know, Black Ops 3 sucks aside from zombies. Black Ops 4 is okay, but it's not really Black Ops. But you know, I always say, I'm true to who I am. I'm a Black Ops guy. I'm a Black Ops guy. And apparently... Phil is too, because, you know, Phil Spencer is like, I love Nazi zombies so much. I love the song Beauty of Annihilation from Call of Duty World at War so goddamn much. I'm going to reach into Papa Sacinadella's po- back pocket when he's not looking and, and grab a smooth 70 billion fucking dollars and, and go over to Bobby Kotick and be like, hey, you're a terrible person. How about I give you 70 billion dollars and, and, we, and we get Black Ops over here on Xbox? And he goes, you fucking idiot. Every Black Ops game's already on Xbox. And he goes, shh. Here's the money. Just shut the fuck up and let me have it. And that, and then now we're here today, and that's why it's Tuesday instead of Wednesday when I'm recording this, and Wednesday instead of Thursday when you're listening to this. Because oh my god, Xbox just bought Activision. And if it's your first time listening to Xbox on, you're like, this guy is schizophrenic. Click off. Oh my god, take me back to podcast unlocked. And I'm saying, whoa, 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 calm the fuck down. This is like this is like the Corvette of Xbox podcasts. It's a little intimidating at first. You might think, oh, maybe this isn't for me, but I assure you, it is. Just sit back. Buckle up and let me show you what a good time it's all it's all about a good time. All right, guys. Clearly something something the fuck is up. I don't even know really how to do this podcast. I was at work this morning, 9 a.m. And actually, I, I I didn't see the news the natural way. I had my my friend who has like almost no interest whatsoever in video games just happens to own an Xbox because one time he bought a Call of Duty and it wasn't even a good one. And he texts me and he goes, "Bro." And I just see Activision, Call of Duty, Halo, and in the Phil Spencer's buying it, and I was like, "What? Uh, oh, like this is like a funny thing?" And then I go to, I'm like, "Whatever." And then I I swipe down my notifications, and I think Mavs Man or one of you guys reaches out to me, like, "Dumbass, Phil Spencer has money in his pocket, and he didn't buy milk like his mom asked him to. Instead, he bought Activision." I'm like, "What is this?" And then I go to Twitter. I'm like, "Oh, okay, fuck me." And yeah, ever since then. I spent the entire day pretending to be at my job, but actually trying to like read stories, figure out what's happening, try to write news. Cause I'm like, clearly we had to do the fucking podcast today, but this, this cannot wait. So enough preamble, enough banter guys. We're going to talk about the Activision acquisition with, with Xbox and Microsoft. Obviously this is going to be a very abnormal episode. So right now at the top of the show, we're just going to jump into all this bullshit. And then we're going to take a break after that and go into the regular run of show with regular news and all of that. So let's just pretend this is like a special E3 edition type episode of the show. We're going to go through all this Activision news, try to digest it. A bunch of you guys wrote in, so I have some feedback from you guys to go through. But let's just try to make sense of all this bullshit for the next, I don't know, maybe 30 minutes, maybe hour. Who knows how long this will take. But goddamn, this is exciting news, and there's a lot of it to get through. So 
without further ado. Okay, so the story developed and developed throughout the day. New information was brought out after the initial announcement made by Microsoft. So what I've done here is I've compiled a bunch of different stories on this this acquisition as it's developed over the day and tried to patch together all the important parts. So bear with me. This is a long one, but let's just read and take in the gist of the information. And then what I've done is I've broken down bullet points of some topics I think are really important to kind of just chew on. And then you guys have some questions and write-ins as well. And so we'll kind of do all that together after we read and, and go through the story. So this is mostly pulled. This is actually, this is like a hodgepodge of articles from Video Games Chronicle and Windows Central. But the original articles, aside from like the press release from Microsoft, were mostly from like Wall Street Journal and Bloomberg and things like that. I don't have money. I'm not subscribing to these, to these sites. So, you know, we get our news the way most people do through other people relaying other news that other people reported on. Anyway, let's start reading. Xbox parent Microsoft has confirmed that it has acquired Activision Blizzard in the games industry's biggest ever deal. The acquisition, which Microsoft confirmed will cost $95 per share in an all-cash transaction valued at $68.7 billion, means that Xbox now has exclusive ownership of Call of Duty, Warcraft, Overwatch, Crash Bandicoot, Guitar Hero, rest in peace, and more. Microsoft also adds studios such as Infinity Ward, Raven Software, Sledgehammer Games, Toys for Bob, Treyarch, Hey, bringing its first-party roster to 30 studios, along with additional publishers and esports production capabilities, and a major presence in mobile with the addition of Candy Crush maker King. The deal is expected to close in Microsoft's fiscal year 2023, subject to closing conditions and completion of regulatory review. The transaction uh, has been approved by the board of directors of both Microsoft and Activision Blizzard. However, it's been claimed it could face opposition from the U.S. government. Once completed, it could mean that some of entertainment's biggest properties remain exclusive to Xbox consoles, and that future releases appear on its Game Pass subscription service on the day of their release. After the deal is complete, Microsoft will become the world's third largest gaming company by revenue, behind Tencent and Sony. Microsoft head of gaming Phil Spencer said in the statement, quote, we are incredibly excited to have a chance to work with an amazing, talented, dedicated people across Activision Publishing, Blizzard Entertainment, Beanox, Demonware, Digital Legends, High Moon Studios, Infinity Ward, King, Major League Gaming, Radical Entertainment, Raven Software, Sledgehammer Games, Toys for Bob, Treyarch Hay, and every team across Activision Blizzard. Until this transaction closes, Activision Blizzard and Microsoft Gaming will continue to operate independently. Once the deal is complete, the Activision Blizzard business will report to me as CEO. Microsoft Gaming will get back to that. End quote. Spencer said upon close, quote, We will offer as many Activision Blizzard games as we can within Game Pass on PC and console, both new titles and games from Activision Blizzard's incredible catalog. The fantastic franchises across Activision Blizzard will also accelerate our plans for cloud gaming, allowing more people in more places around the world to participate in the Xbox community using phones, tablets, laptops, and other devices you already own. Activision Blizzard games are enjoyed by a variety of platforms, blah, blah, blah. We plan to use support moving forward. All right. Controversially, Microsoft confirmed on Tuesday that Activision Blizzard CEO Bobby Kotick, who has recently been named in a discrimination scandal, will continue to serve as the publisher's boss. Quote, he and his team will maintain their focus on driving efforts to further strengthen the community's culture and accelerate business growth. I apologize if you hear that noise. My printer's just going nuts for no fucking reason. Microsoft continues, once the deal closes, the Activision Blizzard business will report to Phil Spencer as CEO of Microsoft Gaming. We will circle back to that point later. Spencer further commented, as a company, Microsoft is committed to our journey for inclusion in every aspect of, the, of gaming among both employees and players. We deeply value individual studio cultures, and we also believe that creative success and autonomy go hand-in-hand -hand with treating every person with dignity and respect. We hold all teams and leaders to this commitment. We are looking forward to our extended to extending our culture 
of proactive inclusion to the greatest to the great teams across Blizzard and Activision. Later on, sites like Windows Central added to the reporting with the following. Activision Blizzard CEO Bobby Kotek will step down from the company or is reportedly going to step down from the company once it is fully acquired by Microsoft, according to a report from the Wall Street Journal. Sources who spoke with Wall Street Journal and are familiar with the situation indicate that one of once the deal goes through, which is currently expected to happen sometime before June 2023, Kotick will be stepping down. Now, continuing on with some additional reporting from Video Games Chronicle, Activision Blizzard CEO Bobby Kotick could be set to make over $350 million from the company's sale to Microsoft. The Xbox maker announced that it intends to acquire Activision Blizzard for $95 per share in an all-cash transaction valued at $68.7 billion, as noted above. According to the filings with the U.S. Secretaries and Exchange Committee Commission, uh, Bobby Kotick held 3.9 million Activision Blizzard shares as of August 7th, 2021. 3,908,698 to be exact. So following up with that chunk of information being basically saying that Bobby Kotick will become even more unfathomably rich than he already is. Uh, this sale is only going to further pad his wallet. And then continuing on with it, with more news in regards to how this whole situation affects PlayStation, Video Games Chronicle reported later in the day that Microsoft plans to keep making some of Activision Blizzard's games available for PlayStation consoles. This is according to Bloomberg's report, citing a person familiar with the company's thinking. The publication also put the exclusivity question to Microsoft's head of gaming, Phil Spencer, who said, quote, I'll just say to players who are out there who are playing Activision Blizzard games on Sony's platform, it's not our intent to pull communities away from that platform, and we remain committed to that. End quote. It is worth noting that Spencer made a similar comment prior to the completion of the $7.5 billion acquisition of Bethesda parent company, Zenimax, in 2020. However, while existing games such as Elder Scrolls Online continue to be supported on PlayStation platforms, and existing exclusivity deals for Deathloop and Ghostwire Tokyo have been honored, Microsoft has since confirmed Bethesda's big future games such as Starfield, Redfall, and The Elder Scrolls VI will be exclusive to PC and Xbox. Spencer said in March of 2021 that the delivering exclusive games for platforms that support Game Pass was the primary primary reason Microsoft acquired Bethesda. Meaning, of course, if PlayStation were to hypothetically have Game Pass, I guess PlayStation owners could play Xbox games, including Activision Blizzard games. Rounding out with two final notes as for how this affects Game Pass, speaking of Game Pass, Microsoft has said that it plans to put as many of Activision Blizzard's titles as soon as possible onto Xbox Game Pass once it has acquired Call of Duty Publisher. Quote, upon close, we will offer as many Activision Blizzard games as we can within the Xbox Game Pass and PC Game Pass libraries, both new titles and games from Activision Blizzard's incredible catalog, said Phil Spencer. Until the transaction closes, Activision Blizzard and Microsoft Gaming will continue to operate independently. Once the deal is complete, the Activision business will report to me, Phil Spencer, as CEO of Microsoft Gaming. You heard that right in our final part of this elongated story. Windows Central does relay that in an email to all Microsoft Xbox employees, Phil Spencer announced that he has acquired a brand new title as the head of Microsoft's freshly unified gaming leadership. Spencer, previously operating under the lengthy executive vice president of gaming at Microsoft title, and more commonly referred to as the head of Xbox, is now officially CEO Microsoft Gaming. Simultaneously, all of Microsoft's gaming leadership now report directly to Phil Spencer, including Jarrett West, CMO of gaming, and the marketing team. Once the Activision Blizzard deal is finally complete, the company's leadership will also report directly to Spencer 
Spencer moving forward. As CEO Microsoft Gaming, Phil Spencer is in charge of everything gaming from Xbox at Microsoft. Aside from the benefits proffered from the unification of all gaming leadership and corresponding teams, it also goes hand in hand with Activision Blizzard deal to signify just how serious Microsoft takes gaming ventures. Xbox is a significant section of Microsoft, and it will only continue to grow as time goes on. In particular, the Activision Blizzard deal means a lot to Xbox as a whole. So, that's a shit ton of information to unpack, and let me just say, I already know this is 100% one of those episodes where by the time I'm uploading it and putting it in the can, I will think of seven things that I'll be kicking myself over forgetting to mention. So, I've tried to make notes about all of these things and, and to bring a lot of different perspectives from you, the audience, and a lot of different perspectives in terms of different aspects of Microsoft and Activision Blizzard that this deal will affect and kind of how it what it means for us as gamers and employees at these companies and what it means for the leadership and the future of these games and there's a whole lot of mess to go through here so let me let me start by just going through these big stories and picking out some pretty big points first of all the cost of this fucking acquisition it is 68.7 billion dollars that is just a little less than 10 times the amount of money they spent on Bethesda, which was already a fucking absurd amount of money. That is more than twice the amount they spent on LinkedIn, which is arguably one of the, <laughs> I mean, until this point was the biggest acquisition Microsoft that they ever made, but it is legitimately their, it is their social network. You know, Microsoft as a massive tech company, they don't have a Twitter or a Facebook or an Instagram. They have LinkedIn because they're the boring business suit and tie tech company. Well, fuck it. That, that's been dwarfed by the acquisition of the guys that make Call of Duty. So this is a huge, massive, beyond any... Like, I just... I, I I can't put this into context enough. What an absurd amount of money this is. Like, and I don't, I don't even mean this as a bragging point. I mean this as just something that it had just has me aghast. Whether you think it's cool, whether you think it's concerning, whether you think it's good or bad, all of those things are valid thoughts. I, I just cannot get over this quantity of money spent on buying a company that is literally in PR turmoil right now over some really bad shit that's happened there over the years. But I mean, what was the one I wrote? Oh, it's $1 billion more than the 2006 AT&T Bell South singular wireless acquisition or in merger, nearly 10 times more than Bethesda, by far the biggest acquisition yet from Microsoft, rest in peace, Nokia. That is what I wrote on that. So yeah, that's, that's the first thing here. And remember the conversation when Xbox bought Bethesda and it was, well, they got to recoup that money, you know, $7 billion ain't nothing. And you know, they got, they got to recoup that money somehow. And then we were all having the argument every day about will Bethesda games end up on PlayStation? Will they not? Or is, is it all going to be Xbox exclusive? How are they going to handle this? And then I ended up being right at the end of the day, pat myself on the back because some games were exclusive, some games weren't. I was wrong about some of that, so I'm not giving myself full credit, but whatever, I'm, I just want to sound good. But yeah, this is a similar thing where the knee-jerk reaction is going to be like, well, Microsoft's going to want to obviously recoup these costs, so why the fuck would they put these games on PlayStation? They didn't, because I see this argument a lot. Xbox didn't buy Activision. Same same thing happened with Bethesda. Activ Xbox didn't buy Blank so that they continue to let Sony have these games. All right, stop, stop thinking like that, because that's kind of that's kind of tiny brain thinking, no offense. Xbox bought Bethesda, Xbox bought Activision, and they need that fucking PlayStation money to help recoup the cost. I should be clear, better, better with my words. They don't need, but they'd be stupid to leave so much money coming from PlayStation on the table when they just spent just shy of $70 billion. Um, you think about all the money that Call of Duty brings in from game sales on PlayStation, microtransaction sales on PlayStation, Battle Pass is sold through PlayStation. PlayStation is obviously the biggest portion of Call of Duty's audience with uh, PC. I, I don't know. I, I, I assume because Call of Duty is a very um, console game centric shooter, 
probably in order PlayStation, then PC, then Xbox in terms of its its big its its market size. So why would you just cut out that massive portion of your audience and be like, nope, exclusive only to Xbox and PC? Fuck you. When when you're basically just saying, yeah, we spent seventy billion dollars to get the Call of Duty publisher just to just destroy the amount of profit that Call of Duty brings in. Obviously, some of those players would move to PC, would move to Xbox, but some of those players would be like, fuck you, bye. I'm going to become a Battlefield fan. Anyway, that's a, that's a little side tangent because I wasn't even ready to get into that point yet. But the amount of money, that is just a staggering, staggering quantity to be spending on any acquisition. And the next thing I guess I want to bring up then is the whole Monopoly angle. Let's actually come back to the Monopoly thing. I think a better way to go through this actually instead of going through the story would be to go through my points and the comments and then we can go back to the story because that's probably a little more organized. Yeah, let me let me do this first. This is this was my first... I, w- I wanted to write this down because even though I don't agree with some of this now, I want to have my most raw take in place. This was my knee-jerk reaction within 30 minutes of hearing the news. And I, I just scribbled this down. This acquisition serves both parties, Microsoft and Activision. It takes the focus off of Bobby Kotick, who's in the hot water. And the company in general is in hot water right now. Takes the focus off that conversation and that individual while letting him stay in place for now and continue to do his thing that he wants to do, quote-unquote, fixing the company. It aligns Activision, with the who has a terrible name right now, with Microsoft, who has a great name right now, and that just automatically creates better PR. People are just more willing to forgive stupid shit like this when there's something big and distracting in the way of it, right? So does this forgive anything that, that's gone on at Activision? No, absolutely not. If anything, it just covers it up and makes the situation worse in, in that respect that it's it's taking away necessary attention to a, a situation that needs attention. But people are quick to forget, and I think this, um, this helps take the edge off of that story pertaining to Activision. Because now the big thing happening in Activision isn't all this scandal and this investigation. It is the fact that Microsoft just bought them. So, good PR. Microsoft can take a PR hit because... As far as tech companies go, even though they're all fucking evil, Microsoft is by far seen as the least harmful or the least evil of the tech companies. I'd say Microsoft and Apple in general are. But yeah, Microsoft has a pretty good reputation these days, so it's fine for them. They can take the hit because there's so much brand recognition and respect for the Microsoft name. It adds so much value to Game Pass, which is obviously which is obviously the main goal here, which is making Game Pass a value you, you, you're absolutely fucking idiot if you, if you pass up. So this is one of the those Microsoft has too much money for consequences so they can absorb the woes of Activision and come out on top and for Activision this is a great way for them to rebrand because what we were talking about during the Activision scandal and just I want to get this before we talk about the exciting stuff right I want to get this out of the way because we were talking about during the Activision scandal how do you get away from this PR obviously Bobby Kotick needs to go that's the first thing that needs to happen but like this hurts the brand and it's like, what is, does Activision need to rebrand themselves? Do they need to shed certain teams? Do they need to rename themselves, restructure in some way? Having Activision be a little less of an emphasis, having Blizzard be a little less of an emphasis, because that's now a subsidiary of Microsoft and Xbox, does help de-emphasize and in a way does kind of reset and rebrand you a little bit. And I think that's kind of exactly what investors and executives at Activision probably want. And so that probably made this option, this this offer, a lot more attractive to them. Because actually another thing I didn't even include in the news is apparently Phil Spencer's only been talking with Activision about this possible acquisition since November. So two months 
This, this conversation has been happening for two fucking months, eight weeks or so. And it's just crazy to think that how fast this is moving. But you got to think if you're that company and you're in this hot water and you're in this situation where it's like, we don't want to get rid of our CEO because he's the guy who makes this company run the way it runs. Bobby Kotick is Activision. He's the guy who brought it from zero to where it is today. Why would you want to get rid of that guy? But also you need to get rid of that guy because he's bringing all the negative attention to your company. But you also need a rebrand, but you also need a, a new chance, a fresh start, all this shit. This kind of offers you that. It offers you a way out. And Microsoft is a really, really powerful, really wealthy, and really well-regarded brand to kind of hide underneath. So I think that gives a lot of, I think that helped, especially investors, soften to this idea of, yeah, yeah, Microsoft. That in $70 billion is kind of a lot of money. I, I, I wouldn't mind having $70 billion. Okay, so I did want to say that. That's my That was my knee-jerk reaction. Some of that I kind of disagree with now a little bit, but we'll, we'll get into more of that later as we discuss other things. So the other thing I want to talk about is, and after we talk about this, we'll start getting into the fun stuff and, and bringing your comments. This is too much money on the table for this acquisition to simply be about video games. This this acquisition cannot just be about, yeah, we want a really awesome game so people don't buy PlayStation and they buy Xbox, so people don't do Stadia or, or Luna, but they do Game Pass. This is a, a xCloud. This has got to be about more than that, because if you're Satya Nadella, because remember, there's a guy above Phil Spencer, and Satya Nadella is the guy who's focused on Office and Windows and Azure and, you know, those other Microsoft things that are usually a little less exciting, but the things that actually really bring in the money for Microsoft and help them become a company that can afford a $70 billion acquisition. So, you know, thank you, Azure. You're the one really paying for this deal at the end of the day. But Satya Nadella had to be in on ground, on, on, on the ground floor with this acquisition for it to have gone through and happened. And in my opinion, in, in just I, I just don't read this this story in this situation without thinking there's a lot more they see in this than just, oh yeah, this is really gonna help the Xbox brand sell more hardware and get more subscriptions to Game Pass. There's, that's It's just too much money on the table for that to be your only desire or, or intended gain from this transaction. So they, they mention Metaverse in the story, and I, I assume, you know, here, here is the quote, right? Activision uh, will aid Microsoft's development of the uh, of the Metaverse, according to Microsoft CEO Satya Nadella, quote, gaming is the most dynamic and exciting category in entertainment across all platforms today, and it will play a key role in the development of the metaverse of metaverse platforms. So I won't get into metaverse too much because I want to talk about this, but obviously Microsoft is one of those tech companies that's leaning really hard into this metaverse, almost like snake oil branding we're seeing from tech companies right now. But Microsoft is in position to be one of the companies to to come out on top of the most from this kind of thing. This that The whole, real quick, and I mentioned in passing on the show before, Microsoft wanting to get in on the metaverse has everything to do with them missing the boat on the phone market and letting Apple and Google run away with Android and iOS and totally missing the mark and not being able to succeed with Windows Phone. And the reason they care about Metaverse so much is because they see it as the next frontier. You know, there was the whole, like, put a personal computer in everyone's home. Then there was put a personal computer in everyone's pocket. And now a lot of these tech companies are viewing Metaverse as, you know, the next thing like the home PC or like the or like the smartphone. It's the Metaverse, what, whatever it ends up manifesting to be, whether it's a mix of AR, VR, or whatever kind of virtual space, or it's a fucking chip you inject in your brain, whatever the fuck people want to believe it is, that's irrelevant. The point is, they see value 
in Activision that will help aid them in their development and their vision for the metaverse. My the way I view that is and it's kind of the same thing as VR, right? You know, like Facebook makes Oculus Quest and or Oculus VR headsets and why do they why, why do they want that? Is it because they want to get into gaming and beat PlayStation, Xbox, and gaming? Absolutely not. It's because gaming is the gateway into VR. It is is the technology, is the entertainment you use to sell people on the concept of VR with the hopes that you will eventually be able to get, their, get them in the door and get them hooked on VR so they can use it for other things, work, productivity, presentations, connecting with people around the world, whatever metaverse ensues. And I think Microsoft sees that a lot where they're saying, well, our way into the metaverse isn't necessarily through a proprietary VR headset. But when we think about people connecting over the internet and people being social in digital spaces, video games connect people like none, none other. And you know what video game really fucking connects people? Call of Duty Warzone, World of Warcraft. These games in and of themselves are little metaverses. And so I, my assumption is that Satya Nadella sees stuff like that and in his own way thinks that there's a, there's a potential to leverage that kind of stuff into whatever their vision of a metaverse is. We know so far what they've talked about with metaverse has a lot more to do with AR has a lot more to do with uh, digital and uh, workspaces and, and collaborative uh, kind of work and productivity related things because they're Microsoft. Why wouldn't they do that? But I think they're just thinking about what are the biggest games that have the biggest audiences that have the biggest impact and create the biggest social spaces. And a lot of that has to do with Activision's games like fucking Call of Duty Warzone and potential. So I think there's a lot more to say about that topic, but we'll leave it at that because that's not the most exciting thing at this moment for us as gamers who want to play video games on video game consoles. Um, but I think that's a very important component to why this transaction happened and where Microsoft's head is at from a leadership position with people like Satya Nadella and, and, and so on. So there's that aspect. Now, I have a bunch of other things I've written down, but I want to incorporate your guys' feedback into this. You guys wrote in with some some good questions, some pretty obvious things that need to be addressed here, so let's start digging into that. Mojo said, will the acquisition of Activision affect my luck with ladies? No, Mojo, you are uh, hideous and no one loves you. OG Man wrote <laughs> Sorry, Mojo, I don't mean that. OG Man wrote in and said, Jesse, this morning I woke up to a notification on my phone from Google News. You should be using being you asshole. The headline simply said Microsoft to acquire Activision Blizzard. My question to you is, what the fuck? Lol, this is the most ridiculous timeline for Microsoft. Also... I love how the second I saw the news, I immediately went to your Twitter and you had just tweeted about it as well. Well, that's more of a comment than a question, but I write it anyway because I love you, OG man. But continuing on with that, it, because you're right, this whole idea of a timeline for Microsoft, what a ridiculous timeline for Microsoft. No one saw this coming. Even even all the game industry pundits who were talking about big studio acquisitions, I was one of the people denying these, saying that I didn't think a big, big one was going to happen anytime soon. You know, even those people were all, were all guessing shit like Ubisoft and WB games no one was guessing activision in fact i thought if they were going to go for someone of this tier of like of, of like this echelon of like activision take two whatever i thought ea was going to be the one they would go for out of all of those but my my heart was on you know well my heart was on don't acquire any more teams focus on what you have and, and make some good fucking games instead of just buying shit but if they had to acquire anything else my hope was that they would do sega because sega has a lineage with xbox and because sega helps fill the lack of japanese games that in in their catalog which phil spencer's always talking about but seemingly never doing anything about so that that's where my head was at but i i find this acquisition so funny because a couple of reasons one xbox has no no lack of first person shooters of western rpgs 
of Western games in general, you think about like the games Xbox has from its OG days all the way to its recent acquisitions over the years. They have Halo, they have Diablo, or they have Halo, they have Doom, they have uh, Elder Scrolls now, they have everything Obsidian makes, they have In Exile, they have all these teams that do really awesome first person shooters, really awesome action adventure games, really awesome open world games, really awesome Western RPGs, really awesome like dungeon y kind of games and shit like that, and Knights and Elves and swords and shit like that and sci-fi and guns and shooting things in the face and so what do they do they go and buy activision blizzard because you know they've got a game where you uh take a gun and you shoot things in the face and oh well they well they got blizzard too so they also got this game where you, you do like knights and elves and you go on quests so there is a little bit of redundancy, and the thing I find extra funny on top of that is we've seen more and more over the years, Activision has gotten so consolidated with their many, many teams on singular projects that even though Activision owned a lot of really, really uh, highly valuable IP, like Crash Bandicoot and whatnot, and Guitar Hero, they really only focus on, like, Warcraft, Call of Duty, Overwatch. Oh my god, I can't fucking believe Microsoft has Overwatch. That makes me want to hurt myself. But, you know, they, they focus on like three or four properties. So it, it's almost funny because the whole thing was like, Microsoft has no games. Microsoft Xbox has no games. There's no games on Xbox. But they went and acquired the biggest publisher that puts out the least amount of games <laughs> to, 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 uh, to help output more games. I, I do find that slightly funny as well. So I do find a redundancy there. I find this highly weird. And, and, and the bigger reason why this gets me, and I guess this is one of my points, is that I, I want to hold Phil Spencer accountable. I love Phil Spencer, but I, I genuinely do. I, I, I truly believe of all the corporate people in all the big corporations that can do terrible things and do do terrible things and have more obligations that they don't fulfill and everything. I truly do believe Phil Spencer is genuinely a good human being who loves his job and means to do well and really wants to create and really wants to change the gaming landscape in a way that make, I, I really do believe he wants to make gaming more accessible and he wants to break down barriers. Less so, I'm not so much talking about the way he does it to appeal to gamers, but more so how it helps developers. And I think things like xCloud and Game Pass and buying studios and then leaving them the fuck alone and giving them unlimited budgets to do whatever, I think is really, really beneficial to the industry because he's making things so much easier and more comfortable for the developer. So there's a million reasons why I love Phil Spencer. I respect Phil Spencer, but I, I, I do like to hold him accountable as well because I, I feel like there are a lot of Xbox fans out there who just kind of want to virtually suck his dick in the, in the Microsoft metaverse. And it's, it's a little concerning. Like, come on, guys, he's a human. This is what I want to say. Phil Spencer said in the earlier days of their open up your wallet and buy everything with fucking a heartbeat that they want to be careful and calculated about their acquisitions and, and work with teams, you know, when not creating new teams from the ground up like like the initiative, work with developers that have a history with Xbox, that have a history with Microsoft and where it makes sense. And so, you know, Obsidian in Exile, these teams made so much sense. It's like, oh my God, this you guys go back to the PC days and these games were always, oh, Bethesda always had a good relationship with uh, with Microsoft. It makes so much sense. You know, the first time Bethesda ever put a game on a home console, it was on the Xbox. In fact, even up through the time Skyrim came out, Bethesda was pretty much an Xbox kind of kind of publisher, way more than PlayStation. Their games never even ran well on PlayStation. Like it, there's always been that relationship. These things always made sense, right? M most of these acquisitions always have a lineage, a history. You can trace it back to. You can connect the dots, whether it's with OG Xbox or if it's with like gaming on Windows PCs. Whatever the history is, th there was always some history, and that's another big reason why I always pushed if they're gonna keep acquiring big 
go with Sega because the history is there. Windows ran on the Dreamcast. A lot of old executives from, from Sega left and went to Microsoft to work on Xbox when Sega got out of the hardware business, when Dreamcast failed and all of that. So there's a lot of history with these two. Xbox and, and uh, Sega have a great relationship to this day. Fantasy Star Online 2 being exclusive to Xbox in the West. There's a reason for these things. It's because Sega and Xbox have a history. They have a good relationship. There's a lineage. Phil Spencer's always saying how they need Japanese content on the Xbox. All these things. I'm like, well, I, I I'm tired of seeing you buy up all the talent in the goddamn world, but I'm telling you, tell you what, if you got to do another one, Sega's the way to go. And it's not just because I love my boy Sonic, but here we are. They bought Call of Duty <laughs> instead. And I just don't know how you can spin this because there is not a history, a story, a reason, a world in which Xbox and Activision are a perfect match made in heaven and it makes sense. You know, there's a relationship and whatnot. That that is purely for economic gain, and it is just because it's a fucking huge boon for Xbox to be like, yeah, we got Activision. That's really all there is to this one. And so, regardless of where you fall, I know there's a lot of Xbox fans out there who are kind of weird, disgusting people who are just like, I just want to see Xbox buy everything. Fuck it. I want to see them buy McDonald's. It's like, calm down. You're you're a weird person. And then there are people who are like, fuck this. Xbox bought another company. This is Monopoly. This is the board game Monopoly. When is that coming to Xbox, by the way? Is that on Game Pass? I kind of want to play that. And I'm like, you're also weird. Like, there, there's room to be critical and definitely plenty of room to be critical. But... Let's put this into proper perspective. You know, Xbox is not, they're, they're not a monopoly, at least not yet. They're still far behind other other uh, companies in terms of profits and being the most prominent uh, player in the game space. I don't love this whole buy your way to the top thing. It really fucking sucks, in my opinion. But I feel like people are being a little bit woe is me over it. I, I lost my point because I'm being stupid. I don't know. I just, I just don't think that buying Activision was really the way to go. I feel like this was just too much of a big dick swing and what what we ended up getting was a company that is pretty damn controversial a lot of people really don't like and doesn't have a history or a, a natural alignment in 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 resonance with the Xbox community it's just a thing that exists out there and Xbox had money so they threw it at them and now it's happening and it's just it's weird this is why it, there's a different attitude there's a different feeling in the air with this versus the Bethesda acquisition because with Bethesda it was like that's fucking awesome. That's that, that's kind of a perfect match, and that's so fucking cool because no one would have ever seen that coming. That's such a big dick swing and move. Wow, Bethesda and Xbox. Everyone could get behind that one. This one's a little bit like, ah, they bought what? They bought the U.S. government. So like, Biden, all of his guys, they're like they're like Xbox games now. What? It's just it's just too big and too unrelated of a purchase for it to be like, what? I don't know. Especially in a time where <laughs> nothing that Activision makes has a strong marketing relationship with Xbox whatsoever. All right, whatever. That's that's all subjective. Who gives a shit? Shallon wrote in and says, yo, what's the word? Does this suck? It's kind, It kind of seems like it's that feeling I get when, uh, when Disney bought Star Wars. I'll be honest, Shallon, this plays in beautifully to what I was just saying. I disagree. I think this deal smells a way, 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 way more like when Disney bought 20th Century Fox and not at all like Disney when they bought Star Wars. Because when Disney bought Star Wars, that was like when Xbox, Microsoft bought Bethesda because there was a history there. It was beautiful because Disney and Lucasfilm have a long ass history with the parks, with film, all these things. There's there's tons and there's tons of lineage and intertwining between these two entities over the many many years. And so, if Star Wars were to be bought out by one of the big media companies, Disney were one of the ones where it made sense, at least from my perspective as a as a Disney theme park fan. Star Wars felt like a very natural fit for Disney. 
and it wasn't weird to me at all. What is weird is that Disney won't ever fucking let you forget that they own Star Wars because they're basically at the point now where they don't even have Mickey Mouse. It's basically just Luke Starnocker, and it's fucking obnoxious. But the point is, Disney and Star Wars have a Bethesda Xbox relationship where there is a long history of prominent people from both of these teams working together, leaving one, going to the other, prominently collaborating together, all these kinds of things that that kind of made this ultimately a thing that made sense. Kind of like Disney purchasing Pixar. It's like, yeah, why why hadn't they purchased Pixar by that point? It's kind of that that thing. This is more like 20th Century Fox where to this day I say Disney had no fucking business buying 20th Century Fox. That was purely because Disney is the goddamn worst these days. They have a terrible, terrible corporate structure. They have terrible leadership. And they just want to buy shit because they are greedy. And they want to monopolize entertainment. And they suck. And that's kind of what this feels like to me. And I, I don't mean to be as as sour about the situation. Because I think Xbox has pure intentions with buying Activision than Disney did with 20th Century Fox. I think Xbox has more ways that can justify the purchase. And more things they can do with this purchase that Disney can't do because Disney bought 20th Century Fox and it feels like they're stuck with all this shit they didn't really necessarily need or want or have any real purpose for and that's why when you go on Disney Plus there's all this bullshit from 20th Century Fox and you're just like what even is this this is not Disney this doesn't look feel or mean anything to Disney people but here it is whereas I think as we'll get into more and more even though at, at face value this whole acquisition of Activision makes no fucking sense there's a ton activi- uh, that Xbox Microsoft can do to make this a really good deal. And that has mostly to do with imparting Xbox's culture of let's leave you the fuck alone, make the game you're passionate about making, do your thing, and we'll see you when you're ready to be seen. Because right now the problem in Activision is that all these developers are pigeonheld into these positions of like, no, you are the Black Ops guy. You can only make Black Ops. No, you are the guy that makes the shitty World War II Call of Duties that no one actually likes. You have to do that. No, you are the guys who made really good Tony Hawk games, but now you have to fucking be support on Diablo for some goddamn reason. That's what Activision's been doing to its teams over the years, and I think Microsoft has the potential to come in and be like, hey, actually, you want to make another kitty game? You want to make another Crash Bandicoot game? You want to make that game about the guy with the foot fetish? You can do that. Here's a, here's a trillion dollars. Go fuck off. We'll see you in five years. Xbox can impart that kind of culture, and I think that's really, really, really going to be life-changing to Activision, and in a couple of years or in so many years, once we start to see the fruits of that labor, we'll be like, wow, maybe this was for the better. Maybe. It can go south as well. Don't don't get me wrong. But I do like drawing the comparison, although I, I politely, I politely uh, disagree with the, uh, the specific comparison. Rizzo writes in and says, after spending almost $70 billion and the deal is closed, do you think Call of Duty will be platform exclusive? Rizzo, this is definitely one that was on my list to get to. I do not think Call of Duty will be platform exclusive. If this is a um, Bethesda Game Studios like Starfield kind of thing versus like a Minecraft thing, Call of Duty's falling under the Minecraft category of there's no way in hell. I know a lot of you are probably already sick and tired of this from the Bethesda talk over the past few years, but I think firmly that Call of Duty remains multi-platform. Um, at the very least, and 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 I, I truly believe every Call of Duty will remain multi-platform. Like the next Call of Duty, and the next Call of Duty, and the next Call of Duty will all come to PlayStation Five, no questions asked, in my opinion. But especially Warzone will not be removed from PlayStation. There's no chance in hell because all you stand because so much of Activision is just Call of Duty at this point that if you take if you say Microsoft bought 
Activision for $70 billion. And the only substantial thing they were able to do immediately was just remove access to Call of Duty from PlayStation players, which is like 60% of the Call of Duty player base. Then we got a fucking problem. Not not from me, but from your audience. All you're going to do is burn the fuck out of Call of Duty players and make people hate you and significantly cut, you know, income from Call of Duty. It's just not a great idea. I think Anything especially that works on more of a free-to-play model or microtransaction model is even more is even more likely to remain uh, multi-platform because you think about like a game like Starfield, right? Starfield is a single-player adventure story-based game. It is a game you're meant to boot up all by yourself and play to your heart's content and get lost in. And you buy the game once, and that's it. You experience it. End of discussion, right? That is a game you can lock behind Game Pass and be like, come to Xbox. But a game like Call of Duty, it's like, sure, you can lock that behind Game Pass and Xbox and PC exclusively, take it away from PlayStation people, but that's all the many, many millions of people who own PlayStation 4 and 5. That just means you're not getting their season pass money. You're not getting their microtransaction money. They're not spending 20 fucking dollars for a goddamn Krampus skin come Christmas time because you just took it away from them. And yeah, maybe some of those people will come to Game Pass and, and they'll subscribe to Game Pass. And that's ultimately what you want is subscription numbers of Game Pass to go up and up and up. But again, you're immediately cutting out such a significant portion of Call of Duty's revenue by just being like, yeah, fuck you, PlayStation. And so I don't think that's going to happen. I think it creates way it, way too big of a mess, way too fast. Uh, you know, let's say the next Diablo game, that could be exclusive. I could see that. Then The next, let's say they ever make another StarCraft game, yeah, that could be exclusive. Let's say they ever make another Tony Hawk game or another Guitar Hero game or, God forbid, another Spyro the Dragon game or, oh, remember Skylanders? Any of that kind of shit? Yeah. I could see any of that stuff being exclusive to Xbox, Game Pass, Xbox console, PC, no PlayStation, fuck you, Sony. Sure. Call of Duty, that shit's staying multi-platform. I, uh, I'm i not budging on that one. I'm just that confident on it. This is, at Call of Duty, as, an, as a franchise, I think if there's anything in Xbox's repertoire that you can compare it to, it's not Halo, it's Minecraft. You don't want to fuck with it. Minecraft is this game that's been out for way over a decade and it just continues to fucking be the biggest thing in the world. People buy it, people play it, and they never stop and it's forever and always. Call of Duty is that same thing. People have been saying forever, oh, this is when this is when Call of Duty fails. This is when Call of Duty stops being popular. This is when people stop caring about Call of Duty. I don't know what to tell you, man. Modern Warfare 2019 was the best-selling Call of Duty game, and that was like the 700th entry into the franchise. So I, I think they got to treat this one like Minecraft. Mr. Miggy wrote in and says, Jesse, I know how everyone is probably telling you that you that the recent acquisition that Microsoft plans to do, blah, blah, blah. But I noticed, too, that they promoted Phil Spencer to CEO of Microsoft Gaming, which is weird because Xbox is not the name. It's not in the name. Mr. Miggy, this is a very astute observation. I think this is a very important thing to discuss. And I got to be really honest with you. I really, really, really wish I had more to say on this, but I don't. I really don't. Um, my only thing I can I can I can think of in regards to this is that the reason why they're moving. Well, first of all, Phil Spencer, CEO of Microsoft Gaming. That's a fucking big title. Obviously, it's just a name. It's kind of already what he was doing. But as this continues to grow and grow and grow, they're basically this is basically putting Phil Spencer in like a second in command kind of role <laughs> in a way. But my guess is the reason why they're doing this um, is because. Xbox has grown so much over the past few years that it's starting to get to a point where more of Xbox's owned things, their teams, their assets and everything 
are, are starting to weigh so heavily on the Xbox side that it's starting to make Microsoft look like the sub brand of Xbox. And if you're looking at the company from an entertainment perspective, and so my guess is this is simply a nomenclature kind of deal because they want to they want to reiterate that everything Microsoft is working towards with metaverse in regards to metaverse and entertainment and all that shit, they want you to focus on that being Microsoft, not Xbox, because Xbox is a sub-brand of Microsoft. Microsoft is the big picture. And so, you know, everything that Phil Spencer is doing, yes, it's to serve Xbox. Yes, it's to serve Game Pass. Yes, it's to serve video game related content, but it's also to serve Microsoft as a whole and a lot of what Microsoft plans to do and utilize its gaming efforts to do is help drive whatever the fuck it is they're doing with their whole metaverse narrative. So I think it's simply a title to try and reorient their idea of entertainment, of digital social spaces, and associate that with Microsoft the brand as Xbox continues to grow and grow and grow and potentially be just in terms of the number of teams and assets and shit they own on rival with Microsoft in a sense because, I mean, it's like you think about Microsoft, it's like, okay, they're Microsoft, they have Office, they have Windows, they have Bing, they have LinkedIn, they have uh, Skype, they have, uh, you know, all this shit you think about, but and then it's like, okay, well, it's Xbox. They have Xbox, and they have this studio, and that studio, and that studio, and they have Bethesda, and they have Activision, and they have, you know, fucking Call of Duty, and Halo, and Gears of War. Oh, my God. The fucking Halo, Call of Duty, Gears of War bro dude who drinks Mountain Dew and eats Taco Bell and Doritos and shit. That guy's completely fucking manifested into a reality because Xbox officially owns all all the games mentioned in that in that stereotype. The only thing left for Xbox to do at this point is to acquire PepsiCo and Frito-Lay, although I think Frito-Lay might be part of PepsiCo, whatever, because as soon as they own Doritos and Mountain Dew and Taco Bell, it's fucking game over. Game over, man. So you think the next acquisition is going to be fucking Warner Bros, you, you dumb idiot? No, they're buying, they're buying Mountain Dew. Anyway, all joking aside... I think it's mostly name-related. There could be a lot more to that, and I really feel like a fucking idiot, like I'm missing something big there. But I, I, at this point in time, I really cannot think of what it is. But no, that's a really good observation. I think there's, it's definitely worth something bringing up and talking about for sure. OMG Baxter writes in and says, is it really a, quote, monopoly when Microsoft has made it clear that they want Game Pass on all platforms? It's Sony and Nintendo that are denying their fans. All right, OMG Baxter, I agree with what you're saying, but I don't necessarily agree with how you're saying it. But this is a good point. No, and thank you for writing in. Because, yeah, they, they have they have made it very clear. If, if Xbox could put Game Pass on Nintendo Switch and PlayStation 5 today, guess when that would be on 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 Nintendo Switch and PlayStation 5 uh barring any you know logistical hurdles today that shit would be available asap immediately no questions asked however it's uh it's a little bit of like talking out of both sides of your mouth cuz it's like yeah 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 we want to meet players wherever they're at just so long as wherever they're at is Xbox Game Pass giving us their $15 a month not them you know, not buying the game from Sony, not subscribing to a Sony service, not buying the game from Nintendo. As long as we're the ones getting the money, sure, we don't mind playing nice on someone else's platform. You know, it's like, what? It's like, yeah, I don't mind coming over to your house and making myself at home and living there forever, just so long as you pay the rent. It's like, I, like that's a terrible analogy. I'm, I'm really bad at analogies. But anyway, the point I'm trying to make is, yeah, so it's not a, a monopoly in the sense of like, they're saying PlayStation players cannot have access to Game Pass. But what they are doing is they're grabbing Sony's arm and twisting the fuck out of it and being like, come on, we're not stopping you from letting your players play Call of Duty. You are, because you're not letting Game Pass on your platform. It's like, well, no shit, because they want to make fucking money. Because PlayStation needs money. 
PlayStation can only do PlayStation if they're earning tender, not ten, not like Tinder, the app, but like tender, like legal currency, so they can be profitable and continue to be a, a company and pay their employees with money so that they can put their kids into failing public schools and, and buy Honda Civics. Like, what, what do you what do you want? It's like I, I don't know. The, the 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 whole thing is they they are Xbox is flaunting around and 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 I think even if you're an Xbox fan who's excited about all these acquisitions about where the company's going it is exciting stuff it's crazy shit there's nothing like this happening in the games industry up until this point Xbox has completely changed the game they did it with Xbox Live they did it with an always connected device they're doing it with Game Pass they're doing it with these acquisitions it's crazy crazy shit Xbox is time and time again completely changing the games industry and it's exciting shit but you got to understand from a lot of people it's kind of like a threatening thing it's like if you're coming from the perspective of someone who's not already warmed up to Microsoft or to the Xbox brand, it really looks like from an outsider's perspective looking in, like there's just this big dick energy flaunting your money, throwing it around and kind of just putting yourselves into situations saying, well, we have this money, we have this influence, we have this capability, so you have to let us in. It, it, it is a little aggressive and a little bit like concerning for some people because that's not traditionally how this game is played, you know? Look at like the Japanese video games market in particular. Like people aren't buying one another all the time. You know, these people stay with these companies forever. These companies work on their own IP. They build up their own games. They're not just constantly buying this from that person and buying out this developer and publisher there and fucking over that person there. It's, it's a lot of like, you stay in your lane, I'll stay in mine. And that's the culture that was set you know, by Japan where the video game industry kind of loomed and, and happened from Nintendo and Sega back in the day. And it's kind of the influence we've had here as PlayStation has become more of a Western, uh, Western identified brand. And as Microsoft and Xbox have continued to grow and grow into prominence, it's just, it's just not the standard. It's not what we're used to. It's not how this really works. And so, yeah, it's concerning to a lot of people. It's, it's alarming. It's at the very least, it's different. You know, it's just something you got to look at and be like, whoa, that's, because no one would have, let's, let's be honest, five years ago, no one in the fucking world would have been like, yeah, you think one of the big three is going to go out and buy Activision? Everyone would be like, no, that's fucking stupid. No. Would they buy a tiny company? Yeah, they might buy a small developer, because we've seen that happen. There's a precedent for that. But to buy a fucking publisher? Because you got to think about the hierarchy. There's like the independent developers, the small, tiny independent developers, and then there's like the regular development teams and they're, and they're generally owned by like a big publisher. Then there's the big publisher that owns all these development teams. And then on top of that, there's like the mega publishers. There's the Nintendos and the Sonys and the Xboxes. And that's pretty much it. It's basically those three. And so we've seen it where it's like, oh yeah, Sony bought Insomniac. They're an independent developer. They, they kind of like doing their own thing, but, you know, now that they're owned by Sega, or by Sony, rather, they're, you know, a little more secure financially, and they can, you know, whatever. There's there's a way you can make an easy case for why that's good for Insomniac. They've always had a great relationship with PlayStation. That's nice, right? But we don't have a precedent for Sony being like, oh, yeah, we're buying Capcom. We're buying Square Enix, whatever. You know, people always talk about Sony should buy Square Enix to respond to Microsoft. Sony doesn't have money to be doing that shit, but they, they I guess if they really wanted to do a last-ditch effort, they could. But the, th the the point is, it's like, there's no precedent for that. And this is this is weird because you got to look at this and be like, well, what are you really getting out of that? Like, Bethesda kind of already had a culture of like, yeah, we let our team do their thing. You know, our teams kind of make their games, you know? 
Bethesda makes whatever they want, whether it's Starfield or Elder Scrolls. Machine Games works on Wolfenstein, and they do that. They do their own thing, and Arcane is always working on something new. They always got some new creative project, whether it's Prey or or Deathloop or Dishonored, whatever. You know, they've they've got so much of like a hands off, let the people do what they want to do kind of thing. So Microsoft coming in and not buying a team. But buying the entity of Bethesda is just kind of like, well, what does Bethesda really benefit from that? That's kind of already how they operated, you know? So, and I have counterpoints to that argument, but let's not get into that. Let's just say it's a reasonable situation or a perspective for someone to come from. Like, that's that's weird, isn't it? And I think with Activision, it is a little different. This is not me trying to defend Microsoft. I, I genuinely think it's different. And I guess, whatever, we already touched on a little bit, but let's just get into it a little further. It's different with Activision because, like I said, every Activision developer is right now kind of pigeon-held into being like, you are this. You are this support team. You know, you play the, the latest Call of Duty game, and the first, like, 20 seconds of the boot-up screen are just like, oh, yeah, and this developer worked on it, and this developer worked on it, and this developer... You know, because we have it in our heads that's like, oh, yeah, Modern Warfare is by Infinity Ward, and Black Ops is by Treyarch, but it's like, not really. It's like, Black Ops is by Treyarch, with support from Raven and Demonware and Shanghai Activision and Toys for Bob and all these other teams. It's like, yeah, it's a it's a very big effort. It is not one team making the whole thing happen. I understand that's just how big AAA games are made these days, but you know, Toys for Bob was making those cool Skylanders games. People like them. What's 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 up with that? You know? You know, remember these like Crash Reignited or Spyro Reignited and Crash Insane trilogy? You know, people were like really happy to see these guys again. They bought those games and they're like, cool. You know, it's like, what happened to that shit? It's like, hey, dude, Vicarious Visions made a really, really good remake of Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 1 and 2 like a year or a year and a half ago or whatever. And then immediately after, Activision was just like, oh yeah, fuck you. No more Tony Hawk. That, that shit was too much fun. You have to work on Diablo for the rest of forever and your name is being removed from you. And it's just like, dude, that fucking sucks. So the only thing, the only benefit I see to why you would want Xbox to, to buy Activision is because now they can free up those teams. Now maybe they can say, and this is the big one, right? Removing the annualized release cycle of Call of Duty. Oh my God, can this finally fucking happen? All right, everybody keep your pants on for a second. Remember, this acquisition probably won't be made at the very earliest, like this fall, at the very latest next June. So we've got a while to go, you know, we got a ways to go before this officially takes hold. But oh my God, that's what has me the most excited is this thought, this fucking thought right now. Not T-H-O-T, but like, thought that we can get away from the annualized release cycle of call of duty that would make me so happy because next year's call of duty game is supposed to be a treyarch black ops game and black ops got its development cycle cut by a year so now they only have two years to make the next black ops game instead of three because you'll remember they were thrown onto black ops cold war last minute in 2020 so this could potentially you know come in at just the right time where xbox could come in and be like no no, no treyarch your game's delayed. It doesn't have to come out in 2023. You can get an extra year. Maybe. Who knows? And I love this idea of like maybe like remember Raven? They made like they made like all these games people love like Singularity and Wolfenstein before Machine Games was doing Wolfenstein and everything. Like maybe you uh, look at Raven and you go, um, hey, guys, how, 
how'd you like to make a game? And Raven goes, oh my God, could we? And they pull out a journal that's 700 pages long and it's old and dusty. And they go, these are just some of the ideas for games we wanted to make before Activision said, fuck you, you have to work on Warzone for the rest of forever. And if your hands bleed, don't you dare act like you're Jesus Christ because you're not bleeding hard enough. Now get back to work, you swine. And then Phil Spencer will be like, come, come now, my child. And he'll, and he'll bandage up their, their wounded hands and he'll say, whatever game in this book your heart desires to create, it shall be done. And then we'll get an announcement at E3 with a CG trailer and a title screen, no gameplay, and they'll announce it, and then all the Xbox fans will go on Twitter and be like, that's fucking right, man! Raven making a game and it's not Call of Duty! And then it'll probably come out like 10 years after that because Xbox is god-awful with announcement to release cycles, let's just be perfectly honest. But, but, the, 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 the silver lining here is that potentially... May, you know, maybe these teams can make a game that's not Call of Duty, and that's coming from the perspective of someone who loves Call of Duty, especially Black Ops. But, like, it, it'd be cool if, like, you know, here's a list of some uh, some IP that Activision owns. Fucking wish we could get a sequel to Blur, but we won't get that because we don't need it. We got Forza. But, you know, Crash Bandicoot, people would like to see that. Guitar Hero, I would fucking shit my pants if that came out. Fucking Geometry Wars, you can make a Geometry Wars, who gives a shit, why not? Hexen, that would be an awesome fucking sequel. Uh, let's see, Overwatch, that's supposed to get a sequel, but I don't know if that's ever actually going to happen. Uh, Singularity, people would love for that. Skylanders, I would love for that to come back. <laughs> uh, even if it wasn't a Toys to Life game, even if it was just a, a, a game. Soldier Fortune. Spiral the Dragon, Starcraft, Time Shift, Tony Hawk, True Crime. I fucking love True Crime. Bring back True Crime. That would be so dank. It would be so fucking dank. It'd be like the dankest game you could make. You could be like, oh, you, oh, you got you got Grand Theft Auto over there, Take Two. Well, we got fucking True Crime Streets of L.A. remake for a new a new age, and I would be very happy to play that game. So, you know, those are IP they just already own. On top of that, there's like a new IP you could create if you have like an imagination. Maybe you can come up with a new idea for a new story and new characters I've never done before because, you know, sometimes you don't always make sequels. You, you come up with new ideas. That would be fucking cool. Maybe Xbox could let that happen. The point I'm trying to make is this is the way in which this deal could be beneficial to these teams as well as gamers because I, I'm sure gamers would like it if maybe the next Call of Duty got delayed a year so they could have extra development time to make it not a buggy mess at launch, to make it not content incomplete at launch, to make it to where the developers can input all the ideas and elements to the game that they actually want to do and make it a full-fledged game with innovation and, you know, maybe they could space out these Call of Duty launches a little more so that when Black Ops Cold War comes out and it's really fucking good, you have more than 10 months to play it before the entire user base abandons ship to play the next Call of Duty game that just came out that's less good. I'm looking at you, Vanguard, you know? So, lots of good there. And they, they make it very clear in the story... Uh, and Phil Spencer said, I don't even know if I included this. Basically, they, they made it very clear during the negotiation from the beginning. We are not interested in this deal unless there is fundamental change at this company. We want to implement, you know, overall, Xbox isn't perfect. Microsoft isn't perfect. But worker satisfaction, employee satisfaction at Microsoft and at Xbox is much, much higher than it is at Activision. And a lot of this, you know, from Phil, Phil Spencer's um, perspective, and I don't take this as PR, I, I, I believe this is genuine, is that, hey, we want to impart a lot of our culture into Activision, which is to say we want to let these teams be more, you know, we're, we'll be more hands off with them and let them kind of develop their own unique culture, their own unique identity and do what they need to do. We will also, you know, be a little more accountable for if shit's going on and 
you know, HR needs to get involved and maybe you need to fire a sexual predator instead of sweep that story under the rug, that kind of thing. So there's a lot of good things happening there. I think a lot of people who probably work at Activision and Blizzard right now are highly optimistic about the future of their company, knowing that Microsoft, who has a much better track record for this shit, is probably going to come in and handle these situations better, take better care of their employees, listen to their people more, uh, let them do the things they want to do, make the games they want to make a little more. So this is all really good stuff, and it has a trickle-down effect of it's good for Xbox because they own it and they make money, it's good for the teams because they get to make what they want to make and they get to not be treated like shit, and it's great for the gamers because we get better games as a result. So that is the silver lining to this acquisition. That is the best case scenario for this act acquisition and that is the i'm trying to see this as a really exciting awesome thing and not as a concerning thing now am i still concerned about the consolidation of the market i'm not really talking about monopoly per se but i am talking about the whole uh, creative devoid or the the lack of creativity associated with this whole buy everything mantra it does suck i don't care if you're excited about this good for you i'm not trying to take away that excitement but it does objectively suck that instead of Microsoft being like, yeah, we're going to create awesome games with the many, many, many developers we already have, and we're going to continue to have a great relationship with our partners at other companies, it'd be really great if they were just like, we're going to do that instead of just, you know, buy talent away from Sony or buy this team away. Because guess what? At the end of the day, it's like, how many new teams were just created by this acquisition? Zero. How many new IP were just created by this acquisition? Zero. Now, like I just said, is there potential that these games are made even better now? Is there potential that these teams are freed up more to do what they want to do now? And that will have a long, you know, a long-term effect of better games, more games, new games, better Call of Duty as a result of all this? Probably, maybe, hopefully. That's the optimistic point of view. But, you know, at face value, it's like, dude, how does this help? You just spent shy of $70 billion fucking dollars to buy a company that makes games for Xbox. They already make these games for Xbox, dude. I can already play all of these Activision Blizzard games on my Xbox. You didn't have to do Overwatch and Diablo and Call of Duty. These games are already on Xbox, you silly bean. So what's the point? And so I think there are arguments to both sides. There are defenses to both sides. And I'm trying to be balanced here and in introducing a lot of concepts. And I know I'm just rambling and rambling, but there's a ton to talk about. And I just, I, I think all these perspectives and all these concerns are pretty valid and I don't know, I, I, I don't love the whole people just shooting down everyone else's concerns about this because this is an unprecedented move. This is a really crazy thing, you know? What the fuck is High Moon Studios going to go do, you know? Beanox. Can they get the fucking Spider-Man license? Can we get another Spider-Man Beanox game for the love of Christ? God damn, that would be amazing, you know? Can we go back to, like, Call of Duty just being Infinity Ward and Treyarch, and then it can be, like, Infinity Ward, you get a clean three or four years to make whatever Call of Duty you want. Treyarch, you get a clean three or four years to make whatever Black Ops game you want to make. Whatever. Go nuts. But Toys for Bob, Sledgehammer, Raven, whatever. For our final, third and final wish, we wish that you are free. Like Genie in Disney's Aladdin, the shackles will come off your wrists, and you will put on a goofy hat, and you will go be free and pack your suitcase and have a vacation that is the hope that is the dream but it is not a guarantee now let's see what else there is to go over as we wrap up this activision talk something a little fun and lighthearted, real quick tech daddy writes in and says jesse what crazy combination of games would be totally possible now but would it never but would never happen i already responded to you on this but the one that i think of is hexen because Hexen was a game made in the Doom engine. Um, it was published by id Software, the creators of Doom, back in 1995. And it was created by Raven Software, who was owned by Activision. It is basically like a different version, like a more like mystical or 
I really don't know how to put it, like a more magic version of like Doom. And it was fucking awesome. And it was four player co-op and I had it on N64 growing up and I sucked at it. But I used to play it with my siblings all the time and it was a lot of fun. And I think it would be so fucking badass if they gave like a Doom 2016 treatment to Hexen, you know, and, and to see like id and um raven come back and make hexen again after all these years you know brought together by microsoft of all of all companies i think that would be so fucking cool and the uh, aside from that obviously the biggest one i would i would ask for that we don't have anymore is guitar hero i fucking love guitar hero i hate this this um i hate this conventional wisdom that reigns supreme in in games media and in and in the in the games conversation and industry that people just don't want to have these plastic instruments taking up space in their homes anymore and that these like rock band guitar hero games were a fad and that there's just no place for them in the market anymore i fucking hate that conversation even if it's true i don't know if it's true i don't maybe I, I hate that fucking conversation. I truly believe deep down in my bones. If you made a kick-ass Guitar Hero, not like Guitar Hero Live when they fucked up trying to bring it back. Guitar Hero Live was fine. But like a true kick-ass, and Hunter, if you're listening, I know this one's for you. Like Guitar Hero 3 style Guitar Hero. Like bring it back to its fucking core. I love the full band setup, but you don't even need to have that. You can just have the guitar and the game. Make it cartoony. Make it crazy. Make it zany. Make it like take place in hell and be ridiculous and over the top. And make it just super fucking arcadey. And don't try to make it real. And don't try to bring modern arena rock. We don't need fucking Imagine Dragons and shitty new Fallout Boy. We don't need any of that stuff. You need like classic rock and post hardcore and 2000s emo shit and 90s punk rock bring all that shit back together and grunge and all those awesome like genres from like the 70s up through like the early to mid aughts when music actually had like guitars and shit and it was fun put that all together into a kick-ass cartoony fun arcadey guitar hero game again really polish it up make it great from top to bottom dude I want that fucking game and I feel like there's a market for it. I feel like if you really put in the effort if you really think about what people loved about Guitar Hero and you try to recapture that instead of just making more bullshit and regurgitating and be like, oh, why don't you guys want the Guitar Hero with fucking Drake and Imagine Dragons? And it will be like, because we're not fucking children. Because we're not idiots. You goddamn... Oh, I'm, 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 I am I'm, don't know if you can tell I'm holding myself back from saying so many things I want to say, but bring back Guitar Hero, please, for the love of fucking Christ. All right. <laughs> uh, with that, let's see if there's anything else I, I, I missed. Uh, World of Warcraft, I think there's a possibility they bring World of Warcraft to Xbox. Kind of like how Fantasy Star Online 2, you know, something to compete with fi- uh, Final Fantasy 14 being so popular on PlayStation as an MMO. Oh, a oh, fun little note. I tweeted about this as well. It's so funny that Mikey Barra and, and Rod Ferguson both left Xbox uh, a couple years ago to go work at different roles in Blizzard, and now they are both owned by Xbox again, so that's fucking funny. I saw a couple people tweeting, people who used to work at Microsoft or Xbox tweeting about how they were really happy to be back with Xbox because they they, they love the culture of Microsoft, so you know who knows how true that is, but that sounds promising. Let's see. Oh, Activision now owns MLG, so they have a lot of presence and responsibility in the esports scene now. That's a whole other thing that I can't even begin to talk about because I'm not qualified for it all. The good thing is, it, it, and this is the final thing, probably big thing we should have mentioned earlier, it looks like it's pretty clear that Bobby Kotick will be leaving Activision once the once the acquisition is complete. Phil Spencer will be the guy to remove Bobby Kotick. That is such a fucking funny and weird thing to think about. We talked about that quote from Phil Spencer last week about how he was like, you know, we're, we want to reevaluate our relationship with Activision, but not 
you know, not in a, but you know, we're not a perfect company. So we don't want to be the arbiters of good and bad and all that shit or whatever it was he was saying. And then like the next week they're like, oh yeah, by the way, I'm basically buying out Bobby Kotick's position. I'm, I'm the Activision guy now. So it's such a funny world we live in. But um, the good thing is it looks like he'll be out. I, I wish he were out sooner. Uh, I don't love that he has to get even more filthy fucking rich uh, as a part of this deal to get him out. But I am glad that he will be gone. I am glad that and confident that with Xbox at the helm of Activision and Blizzard, that these companies will be in better hands as far as taking care of their employees and meeting their needs and and handling things appropriately. So that all makes me happy. Um, I really hope from the bottom of my heart that this is a really good turning point in that regard. But for us as gamers, you know, I man, I just hope this means we get better quality games a bigger variety of games out of Activision and you know, not this Activision is so dependent on this annualized churn cycle of call of duty. And I've always defended it because I'm like, Hey, the games are still fun at the end of the day. People still buy them. Shut up, you know, deal with it. But of course it's, uh, it's always been true that call of duty could be better, would be better if they didn't just constantly overwrite the last year's game by just releasing another one time after time again. So I love the idea of spacing out Call of Duty more for the first time since 2007. I love the idea of of letting these developers make something other than like the same three franchises. I barely talked about Blizzard because I'm so unqualified to talk about them, but I love the idea of Blizzard maybe being freed up. I don't know really what's going on with Blizzard. It just feels like they've been stuck for the past five or so years. I don't like ever really know what they're doing. Why is the next Diablo taking so long? Why is Warcraft just such a dormant franchise, such a stale franchise at this point? It's like you guys got Overwatch, but even that is somehow just like tripping up with getting this sequel out the door. I don't know what the fuck is happening with Blizzard, but I really hope that this acquisition leads to all good things, obviously. Um, plenty of reasonable concerns out there, but let's just try and focus on the positive stuff. Call of Duty is definitely going to be available on PlayStation. Don't be salty about it, you assholes. Be happy for PlayStation players that love Call of Duty and don't want to leave their platform. And obviously, we will be getting tons and tons of Activision games put into Game Pass very, very soon. So that is all super exciting, super promising. And hey, how about that? We don't ever have to buy another Call of Duty game once this is a done deal because it will just be included in our subscription, which is fucking dank. It is sweet. It is badass. But yeah, that is... I'm sure as soon as I'm done recording, I'll have a lot to say otherwise that I that I feel like I missed. But that is my comprehensive first take on everything happening here with Xbox and Microsoft now officially acquiring Activision Blizzard. Fucking crazy to say it still this day. I'm still kind of in disbelief, but here we are. Now, guys, next we're going to move into a regular run of podcasts. It is going to be comments, although I've condensed them a little bit because of the episode's obviously going to be long. And then it is regular news, of which there's not too, too much, but there's there's enough. And then, you know, we'll we'll round it out with the regular show. But guys, thank you so much for being here today and stay tuned for basically your, your standard Xbox on episode. All right. From here on out, we're basically just going to have a regular Xbox on podcast, but a little more truncated. Our first news story this week that isn't about Xbox spending 70 fucking billion dollars is about Game Pass. So according to VGC, Xbox's next Game Pass lineup has been revealed ahead of its scheduled ahead of its schedule after fans discovered an image hosted on its official website. According to the image, well, it's official now, so we know Death's Door in Taiko no Tatsuji Tatsujin. 
the Drum Master, will be joining the subscription service on consoles and PC at some time this month alongside Paparazzi and Windjammer 2. The image also lists previously confirmed titles like Danganronpa Anniversary Edition, Rainbow Six Extraction, and Rainbow Six Siege, Hitman Trilogy, which was recently announced this past week, and Nobody Saves the World. So hey, some Japanese content is coming, so there's that. But that's a pretty good lineup, especially Danganronpa, both those um, Rainbow Six games and the Hitman trilogy. So Hitman making its way back into Game Pass. Tons of good stuff. I think this is the first time Hitman 3 has been in Game Pass, if I'm not mistaken. So lots of good content coming into Game Pass. Honestly, not too, too much to di- divulge here. Oh, the well, the reason why is because I'm reading this out of order. But there's not really too much to go into on this other than it leaked. It happened. People were excited about it. Uh, the bigger thing there is Extraction and, the, and, of course, the Hitman trilogy. So... We'll leave it at that. That's a quick one. Sorry, I kind of read that out of order. Next up, going into like substantial news, we got Xbox One console has officially been discontinued, whether you knew it or not. Although we kind of did know this, it's not too much of news because they kind of alluded to it. But anyway, VGC reports that Microsoft have confirmed that it has quietly stopped producing the Xbox One console at the end of 2020. So yeah, over a year ago. The platform holder said in July of that year uh, that it was discontinuing Xbox One X and One S all digital edition, but the One S would continue to be manufactured and sold globally. However, coinciding with the Xbox Series X and S launch later that year, Microsoft also stopped producing the One S. Quote, to focus on production of Xbox Series X and S, we stopped production for all Xbox One consoles by the end of that year. Cindy Walker, Senior Director of Xbox Console Production Marketing, told The Verge. Microsoft's commitment coincides with reports that Sony has extended the PlayStation 4's production because PlayStation 5 remains in short supply due to the component constraints. According to Bloomberg, though, Sony had planned to stop producing PS4 consoles last year, but has now told assembly partners that will continue making them through 2020. They've ordered over a million more. The decision will see the creation of around 1 million PS4 units, which I just said, fuck off, and offset some of the pressure on PS5 production, which requires more advanced chips that are hard to get. Increasing production will also help Sony negotiate better deals with manufacturing partners, according to Bloomberg sources. While the Xbox Series S is widely available to purchase, Microsoft has struggled to meet the demand for the Xbox Series X. So, this is important to note because a couple things. This is really more of Sony's story than it is of Xbox's because we all knew this. The Xbox Series S basically replaces any need for an Xbox One console. So, yeah, who gives a shit that they quietly stopped making the Xbox One? When was the last time you went to a store and saw an Xbox One on shelves? Who cares? Uh, because you can buy the Xbox One Series S for $300. It's a great fucking deal. And it's more powerful than Xbox One and it plays all the Xbox One games, plus the new games, and it just, it's just a mood point. The situation is, on the other hand, PlayStation doesn't have a similar thing. They just have PlayStation 5. The cheaper version of PlayStation 5 is still just a PlayStation 5, and it is pretty expensive. It just doesn't have a disk drive. So PlayStation's in a different situation where they feel the need to have something on the market because the components needed to build a PS4 are not as hard to, to get your hands on as the components to build a PS5. So I, I think their thinking is they need to stop the bleeding right now, so to speak, because it's so impossible to get a PS5 right now that I think there are a lot of hungry PlayStation fans out there who are looking around saying, dude, I've been trying to get a PS5 for over a year. This is bullshit. If this keeps up, I'm just going to go buy an Xbox because that market is going to, they're going to buy something. They want to buy something. They're going to buy something. Eventually they go somewhere else, you know? 
And you might say, well, Jesse, that's stupid. If you want an Xbox, why would you buy a PlayStation? If you want a PlayStation, why would you buy an Xbox? Because when people want to buy something, they tell themselves in their head as a psychological thing, I am agreeing to put down money, and they will look for an excuse to spend money because that is how humans are. We are bad with our money, and we are stupid. And it, that is absolutely true. It just this is, this is how this shit works, and I could absolutely see this being a real concern for Sony's because anyone, like I've said multiple times on the show, and I'm sure many of you have experienced this, Go into your local Best Buy. Go into your local Target. Check out the video games aisle. There is no Xbox Series X in stock anywhere. There's no PlayStation 5 in stock anywhere. There are generally a pretty fair amount of Xbox Series S's in stock. And Nintendo Switch. But you cannot get your hands on the X. You cannot get your hands on the PS5. And I think a lot of these people are going to be like, fuck it, I just want a next-gen console. I just want a new box that plays new games. And there are going to be people seeing Halo Infinite running on next-gen hardware. There are going to be people seeing people playing all these new games and all oh, the faster loading and all oh, whatever, new, new, new. And they're going to be tempted. And they're going to see Xbox One S or Series S on shelves and go, you know what? Fuck it, $300, it's cheaper than a PS5, it's here now, I can try this Game Pass thing that has all this chatter, people go nuts about it, it's a great value, it's a great deal, let me give it a try. And you're potentially losing people on the PlayStation ecosystem to Xbox if you do that. So I think from Sony's perspective, they think, well, PS4 is like having an Xbox Series S on the market, I think we all know that's not true, because PS4 is a very old hardware, even though... It can play, you know, whatever, PS4 games and a lot of PS5 games are being made for PS4 as well. It's not quite the same thing. I think people, the market is smarter than that. They don't want the old thing. Um, I don't I don't know who would be buying a PS4 right now because if you're right now trying that hard to get new hardware, you know, chances are you've had the chance time and time again to get a PS4. You passed it up for a reason or you already own one. So I just don't see this really working out for Sony, but I understand the effort. I understand why they're doing it to begin with. Aside from negotiating better production deals, they think they're just doing this because they really want to have a product on shelves at a time where they can't get a product onto the shelves, but their competitor can. And that looks really, really bad for them. So this is obviously, you know, more of a PlayStation story than anything, but this is how PlayStation's issue is becoming a, a, a win for Xbox in an indirect sense. That, and, and if you just need a little anecdote to prove that this is a real phenomenon, a real thing that happens, dude, my friend, I have a friend who was looking to get an Xbox Series X for many, many months. He was texting me all the time. Every week he would text me. He'd be like, bro, uh, Xbox Series X is going to go on sale this day. I saw it. You know, Walmart's going to have it in stock at this time on this day, whatever. And it got to the point where I was like, man, you really want a Series X? And I tried to help him. I, I, I would, if I ever saw an alert, I would send it his way. I'd be like, dude, they're going to go on sale here. Or if I, I got it, if I saw a link that went up, I'd be like, maybe I can try to order one and get it for him or something. I tried to help my buddy out and get one of these. We could not get it. I couldn't get it for him. He couldn't get it for himself. And after like two or three months, he gave up and he was like, no, nah, fuck that. And he literally told me, he's like, I have an Xbox One S. It works fine. I barely ever play it. I don't need the Series X, but man, I just want it. I know you have one. I know everyone says it's really good. Like, I, I feel like I'm missing out. I want to get this thing. He was prepared to spend $500 on an Xbox Series X when he has an Xbox One S that he almost never played even when he first bought it. But, you know, the hype and the new thing, and he wants it, and he knows it's hard to get, and he just wanted it. And I think there was a lot of people in the market like that. Ultimately, he ended up getting his hands on one of the Switch OLEDs that recently came out, which is also really hard to find, and that satiated his needs. So, I mean, look at that. Xbox missed out on a potential sale of a Series X because they couldn't meet the demand, and he ended up buying something from Nintendo. Is it related? No. Does it play the same games? No, but 
he's a person who wanted to buy a new video game thing and he found a way to get it. And I, I think that is a serious problem Sony is facing and it's becoming a big win for Microsoft right now to have that, that series S so readily available. Um, next up, VGC reports that Microsoft's head of gaming has said the ex- that he expects PlayStation. It sounds like we're talking about PlayStation shit a lot now, but no problem. This is Xbox. But Phil Spencer expects PlayStation to follow the Xbox's footsteps when it comes to launching an anticipated Game Pass rival. Details on a Game Pass competitor service reportedly being planned for PlayStation emerged in December and picked up steam last week. According to documents from Bloomberg, the new service is codenamed Spartacus and will combine current PlayStation Plus and PlayStation Now services, phasing out the branding. And for those who don't know, PlayStation Plus is like Xbox Live. PlayStation Now is kind of like the closest thing they had to Game Pass, but it's not really Game Pass. It's more like xCloud and it kind of sucks, but it exists. It's actually been there longer than xCloud and it's you know, commendable that PlayStation even has that service, but it's not, it, it doesn't hold a candle to what Xbox offers. But this would, this Spartacus program would be like, a proper Xbox Game Pass competitor. It is expected to launch for PS4 and 5 this spring to be structured across three payment tiers. The first tier would be basically just PlayStation Plus, um, kind of like Xbox Live, with free monthly titles. The second tier would have a large catalog of games like Game Pass, although not first-party titles at launch. And the third tier would extend demos, games, streaming, and the library of classic PlayStation games for backwards compatibility, um, which PlayStation, of course, lacks, famously. Asked about the claims by IGN, Xbox Phil Spencer boss said... <laughs> Xbox boss Phil Spencer. He's not, the, he's not the boss of Phil Spencer. He's the boss of Xbox. Said that he believes a Game Pass-like service from Sony is inevitable. And he expects new releases to be available day one in the subscription, although he did not specify whether he thinks it will include first-party titles. He says, quote, I don't mean to sound like we've got it all figured out, but I think the right answer is allowing your customers to play the games they want to play, where they want to play them, and and giving them choice about how to, uh, to build their library. And being transparent about them, about what our plans and our terms are on PC initiatives across cross-gen initiatives and other things, he says. So when I hear other things like Game Pass coming to PC, it makes sense to me because I think that's the right answer. Spencer continues, I don't really look at it as a validation. I actually, when I'm talking to our teams, I talk about it as inevitability. So for us, we should continue to innovate, continue to compete because the things that we're going to do might be advantages that we have in the market today. But they're just based on us going first. Not that we've created something that no one else can't go and create. I really like this response from Spencer because even if he's wrong, it is the correct mentality to have, which is that like, listen, right now Xbox is on top optically at the very least because Game Pass is awesome. It's an insane value. You cannot deny it. They're so consumer friendly right now. They have these new consoles that are awesome. They have new games that are awesome. The new Halo is making people believers of Halo again. It's it's all good news for Xbox right now. But this is exactly the mentality you're supposed to have, which is, yeah, I mean, Things are working out for us, but we're basically, if you're looking at it as the competition of game, game services, Netflix game services type deals, we're not really competing with anything because nothing else really exists like what we have. You know, Google gave up immediately with Stadia, which wasn't even as good as what we have. Sony, our bigger competitor in this space, doesn't even have anything like this to compete with. So it's like, yeah, we look great because we got, you know, EA Access and all that shit in there. We got uh, Ubisoft Play, whatever these fucking sub-brands are. We got all this shit kind of cross-pollinating with Game Pass. We got all these games. We got first-party games from us. We got content from third-party publishers coming day one at times. So much good shit. But you got to assume, like, if someone was going to come and compete with you, they would do all those things too. In fact, they might have more tricks up their sleeves that you don't have. And so you got to be aggressive and competitive like this because 
you never know what the competitor is going to have if and when they do decide to join in the fun. And I, I appreciate that point where he says it's not validation. It's it's an inevitability or that's how they at least see it, because that's exactly right. Xbox Game Pass kind of forces the hand of PlayStation. They clearly don't want to do a, a Game Pass type service, but they don't really have a choice when this is what Xbox has created. And it's the thing everyone wants and it's the thing you can't ignore. And it's the thing that's drawing people away from your platform into the competitor. So what are you going to do? Not compete? But that is the real thing because this is where I, this is where it's like all or nothing, right? Because sure, Spartacus can come out, it can be great, it can have backwards compatibility like we've all wanted on PlayStation Forever. It can have a Game Pass like service, so it's great if you want to play third party games. Maybe even some of them come day and date, like like when we got like uh, Outriders and Rainbow Six Extraction shit day and date on Game Pass. That's all well and good, but. If your next Spider-Man game or your next Last of Us, if you find a way to make Last of Us even more depressing with a third entry, you know, when your next one of that comes out, your next God of War, your next Horizon comes out, if that's not included in this subscription service you have that's like Game Pass, then that's still really, like, that is the biggest flaw you could possibly have because it's like, yeah, Spartacus is great, Game Pass is great, but, you know, Game Pass, when Redfall and Starfield come out, they're just in Game Pass immediately and I can play them and end the story. Spartacus is great, I love getting to play my old PS3 games in it, and I love, you know, getting to play the, you know, uh, Rainbow Six Extraction in it day and day. That's great. But, you know, when that new Ghost of Tsushima comes out, I got it. I got to go buy it for 60 bucks or 70 bucks because PlayStation says, no, that's not, that can't be included in your subscription. So it's the biggest, it's the biggest hanging point contingency they could have. And it seems like, I, I don't know, I'm of the mindset Sony wouldn't do that. Because I don't think I don't think Sony has the money to just keep burning and to keep being like, here's a multi-million dollar game that we made. Here, just have it in the subscription service for a loss. Like they they can't afford to be that to be that way and to do that. So they have to be really creative about how they approach this this service platform thing. They have to have some unique angle that Xbox doesn't have that can justify having a subscription service at a similar price point to Xbox, but also allow them to get away with the fact that they're probably not going to include their first party content day and date. They might include it later, six months or a year later, but I don't know, man, this is, this is going to be so, I'm so curious to see how this goes. In, in fact, even though Activision acquisition is more hype and more like, whoa, I, I know that's a long-term thing. We're not going to see the fruits of that labor and that merger anytime soon, but this is the kind of thing where I'm like, we could see something on this soon. This might be the biggest story, the biggest development of the year as we see this unfold and start to play out. Um, so I'm really interested to see how that goes. And then our final story of the week comes from VGC, and it is that Respawn's upcoming single-player game that is reportedly in development is a first-person shooter, but not Titanfall. According to Games Beat's source, the title is being built around the principles of mobility and style, but again, it is not Titanfall, despite sounding like Titanfall. The site claims that the studios will uh, spend another year or so prototyping concepts, with the planned release date being around 2024 or 25. Respawn confirmed last July that it was developing a new single-player adventure game, job ad build it as a designer a a designer's dream playground with freedom to innovate and made possible through unique universe earlier in the week it was revealed that the game's former creative director muhammad alavi had left respawn he had previously been a senior designer for the titanfall series and a narrative designer and art director for apex legends and also designed iconic call of duty missions like all guild up while at infinity ward so really big talent leaving uh respawn really big Titanfall influence leaving Respawn. And apparently Respawn's working on a new game that is not Titanfall, that has a lot of Titanfall in it with its focus on mobility and being a first-person shooter. So maybe this is just me being a lack of creativity on my part, but this sounds to me like, hey, we're not making Titanfall anywhere, but we are 
taking the things that worked with Titanfall and making other games because Titanfall just does not make money, but we make great games and we know it. So we got to go find a different IP that can sell our ideas and our great game development, which is so fucking unfortunate because as we all know, as this is a podcast full uh, uh, audience full of people who are of great taste and probably played Titanfall 1 and 2, Titanfall is fucking awesome. It's better than Call of Duty. It is so goddamn good. It is such a great first-person shooter series. It is a crying shame that we don't get another one. But I, I get it. You got to go where the money is. And right now, if you're EA as a publisher, you're looking at Respawn. You're saying, you are a star people right now because Bioware cannot get anything right right now. None of our teams can really put any games out at the, at the moment. DICE is fucking up with battlefield you guys haven't fucked up you know when your games fail to perform it's you know commercial failure it's not because the game isn't good the game is always good and when you guys succeed like with apex legends oh my god you make so much money you guys have the special sauce you know how to make nothing but great games and so i think there's this emphasis this focus on like continue to do what you do but just don't make titanfall because Titanfall doesn't sell. And I almost feel like at this point, really, Titanfall can't succeed because it came out the gate the wrong way. You know, if Titanfall 1 had been available on PlayStation 4 and not just Xbox One back in 2014 when it came out, I feel like the whole story on Titanfall could be different. And I Titanfall 1 was such a great exclusive to have on Xbox One. It was, it was the game I picked up with my Xbox One. It was the thing that helped bring me back into being so down the rabbit hole with Xbox and in love with Xbox again. It was experiencing Xbox One for the first time, playing Titanfall for the first time, just really loving that experience. I have so much special nostalgia and love for that old Titanfall Xbox One marriage, that old Windows 8 days of uh, Xbox and rest in peace Windows Phone. But I, I got to be honest, Titanfall probably should have not been an Xbox One exclusive. If it had been a multiplayer, a multi-platform game from the get, if it had been available day and date, Xbox 360, Xbox One, PS4, PS3, and PC, day and date, I think the Titanfall story today could be completely different. Because PlayStation 3 or PlayStation 4 had a terrible first like 12 or 15 months on the market. It had literally nothing worth a damn to play on it. It just sold like crack because that was the one that everyone decided was going to be the cool platform that, that generation. And it won the marketing and the optic conversation. So it was selling like crack. PlayStation 4 was selling so damn well at that point in time. But it didn't have shit worth playing. If that console had Titanfall with the kind of hype behind the PS4, if it had Titanfall at launch, oh my god. Obviously that would have been good for Xbox, but that would have been so good for Titanfall. And so I, I, I like to think that if you had indoctrinated the PlayStation 4 audience from the get with Titanfall 1, you would have had so many more people who were indoctrinated and in bed with the franchise and going, oh, I want a sequel to this. I want Titanfall 2. And I think it would have made Titanfall 2 more successful. That and, of course, the famous story of how EA fucked Titanfall 2 by releasing it right in between Call of Duty and Battlefield that year. But I think that's the other side that doesn't get mentioned enough is that Titanfall probably could have been a bigger property if from the beginning, from the start, you had um, not shot in the foot by putting it exclusively on a platform that had no install base and no fanfare at all at the time. Titanfall got fucked twice. For Titanfall 1 because it was on PS4 and with Titanfall 2 because they launched at literally the worst possible time. And as a result of that... We are getting awesome games continuously from Respawn. They're still doing great work. I can't wait to see what's next. I can't wait to see what this game is. But Titanfall, it is not because God hates us. That's why we're not going to get a Guitar Hero 3 remake. Guys, that's going to do it for all of our regular news this week. Let's jump real quick into the important enough news stories. These are stories important enough to make the podcast, but not important enough to warrant their own discussion. 343 Industries have said that it will 
changed the price of several items across Halo Infinite shop following feedback from players. It's also confirmed that individual items will be released for sale outside of the confines of the bundles, which previously saw players forced to buy bundles to get the one item they wanted. So that is all good news, slowly making Halo Infinite a better experience. VGC also reports that Hogwarts Legacy, the upcoming Harry Potter RPG, may not launch until 2023, according to journalists. Speaking on his Sacred Symbols Plus podcast, uh, my, my, my boy Colin Moriarty, my favorite podcast host, said when brought up by a co-host um, about the game in discussion, quote, I'm hearing behind the scenes that the game is not coming out this year and that it is in some sort of development trouble, end quote. So I hope we see something on that game at least this year. It doesn't need to come out this year, but I would like to see an update on it, so... Oof, hopefully. We miss you, Avalanche. Come back. Next up, VGC reports, President and CEO of Platinum Games has announced he's stepping down from the company. Kenichi Sato has set, held the position since April 2016, but in a statement on Platinum Games' website, he revealed that he left the role last month. So good luck with everything you do, Kenichi. Hopefully everything is well. Windows Central reports that Xbox Game Pass has reached 25 million subscribers. Microsoft confirmed this on my, on Xbox Wire um, today ahead of the news that they bought Call of Duty and everything you love. Previously, the service had benched around eh, 18 million subscribers or so. Uh, so 7 million subscribers in a year. Not not too shabby. Hopefully, you know, with, with Activision in the fold, we see that number jump and jump and jump. And lastly, Windows Central reports that Microsoft and 343 have shut down matchmaking for Halo 3, Halo Reach, Halo 4 on the Xbox 360. So old school Xbox 360 Halo era has come to a close. Firefight matchmaking for Halo 3 ODST, it's all gone. I kind of feel bad that I didn't jump in on that at the end there. I, I didn't want to set up all that shit. I don't know where my games are for 360 and all that. So I didn't. I really didn't want to get it all going, but... Kind of feel like I missed out by not trying to be there in those final days. But yes, I saw a lot of people trying to ride out the last few hours of the servers being on. Very bittersweet moment. Obviously, these games can still easily be played, all of them, through the Master Chief Collection. But, you know, classic Halo 3 on Halo 3 servers on Xbox 360. That is something we're all nostalgic for. God damn it, we're getting old and death is inevitable. All right. Well, I'm sad. We just ended on a really sad note. Now, normally, we there are other things I skipped this week. There's the what I've been playing. There's the what I've been eating. We'll save that for next week. You guys did have some other comments as well. We'll save that for next week. This is a very long episode. So next week, do uh, expect, here's a little tease. Expect updates about the barbecue games, about our takes on barbecue sauces and things like that. Expect updates on NFTs, updates on Temple Knights Game of the Year picks, Expect my feedback after playing Guardians of the Galaxy. I finally beat that game. Anacrusis, which I've been enjoying a lot. And uh, yeah, but we'll talk about all that next week. I told you a little bit different week. Um, I had to cut it a little shorter because I, I, I don't want to make this too bloated of an episode. But uh, with that said, let's let's round out real quick with the Games of Gold reminder, which you don't need, but here it is anyway. We have Nero Voider available for the entire month. We got Aground available uh, from now until February 15th. And we've got Space Invaders Infinity Gene available until the 31st. So download those if you haven't already. But guys, I'm exhausted. I'm very, very excited to hear everyone's takes and opinions and feedback regarding uh, this absurd acquisition that Activision is now part of Team Xbox. So let me know what you guys thought about that. I do have a new video up on my other YouTube page, youtube.com slash lightning extreme. So go check that out really silly video about Harry Potter. Subscribe to the Xbox on podcast, whether it be on YouTube, Spotify, Apple, leave a review. Be very nice to me. Say nice things to me all the time, forever and always. And follow me on Twitter at Jesse DeRosa. But until next week, guys, thank you for your time. Empower your dreams.